Check, check. Hey, everybody. How we doing? Welcome to Foundations. Glad that you're here. We're so excited to see you. Even though the monsoon is outside, you guys decided to come, and we appreciate that. Um, Pastor Stephen and Megan, they're in uh, Florida. I'm sure some of you may be following them on Facebook. They're enjoying a vacation. Well-deserved, right? Um, so we're glad that they have the, the time just to spend with their family, kind of get back to their roots. Uh, today, we have a special guest I would like to invite up. His name is Robert Wells. He's with Harvest Time, or used to be retired now with Harvest Time. <laughs> we're glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to the word today. Thank you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand this morning, would you? <laughs> Hallelujah. I uh, pastored Harvest Time in Abbeville for uh, 31 years, and I am, they called it retirement, but I'm not retired, believe me. Uh, I think I'm busier now than I was when I was pastoring. Uh, God has uh, blessed me and, and helped us to uh, do a lot of leadership training overseas and do about six or seven overseas trips a year, and uh, God's so good. Amen. Remember your pastors in prayer, uh, Pastor Stephen and Megan, and that they would just have a great, great relaxing time. Uh, there, there's something about pastoring it's a 25-hour-a-day uh, job, and no matter where you go, no matter where you go, uh, even at this very moment, uh, I promise you, they, they could be on the beach somewheres, but I promise you they're thinking of our service this morning, and he's probably laying on that beach, getting sunburned, thinking, why in the world did I ask that guy to preach for me? You know? <laughs> but... Uh, but pray for them. Pray for them. Never let a day go by without praying for them. Uh, I'm honored to have my uh, wife this morning. Uh, we've been married uh, 53 years, going on 54. It's a long time. Uh, did I mention that's a long time? <laughs> yeah, it's a long, long time. But uh, we've been, uh, I tell everybody that's my third wife. My first wife died eating, because uh, she ate some poison mushrooms. My second wife died because she wouldn't eat them. So I'm on my third one, and uh, she aggravated me a couple of weeks ago, and I told her, I said, I'm going to go pick you some mushrooms. But uh, then, then she cooled off. It's good to have my daughter. Uh, they're called daughter-in-laws, but they're daughters to me. Uh, Married to my favorite son. I have a favorite son. My only son. Uh, and and uh, married to them, and we're so glad to have them. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, or your, your iPads or iPhones or whatever you have, uh, because it's not going to be on the screen, the Scriptures are not. And uh, sometimes I do that on purpose because uh, I go to a, a few churches and and I'm finding out that uh, we depend on the screen and we don't uh, look up the scriptures ourselves because it's so convenient. They even do it at harvest time. I'm not, I'm not against it. Uh, but I, I'm finding that uh, people less and less are reading their Bible just looking at the screen and looking at it. And, and so I like people to kind of turn in their Bibles or in their phone and uh, look at it um, 
and, and kind of get used of the scriptures and use of where the chapters are. So if you've got your iPhone or uh, iPad or whatever and your Bible, uh, turn with me to in the Old Testament. It's around uh, 10 books into the Old Testament, nine books, somewhere around there, to Second Chronicles uh, in the 20th chapter. And we're going to be speaking out of there uh, for a few moments this morning. Second Chronicles in the 20th chapter. And I uh, just want to speak on just a little bitty, um, little bitty thought this morning. Uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes, uh, I want to entitle my message, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. What to do when you don't know what to do. I mean, you ever been there? You ever been to a place in your life? And I want to. I, I want to. I want to just encourage you this morning with this message that you didn't know what to do. I mean, you ever had some situations and you didn't have an answer for? Uh, you ever been in a place or had major issues facing you, and you had hoped that they would just go? away. I mean, you know, maybe if I could just get a good night's sleep when I get up in the morning, uh, that problem that is, is, is going to be gone. Uh, maybe I'll just go to a movie. Maybe I'll just go out and eat or something. And, and, and you know, I, I'm going to relax and, and uh, relax my mind. And, and when I'm finished relaxing, uh, all of them problems are going to be good or gone. I've got news for you. They ain't. They're still going to be there. You can sleep eight good hours, and you're gonna, if you go to bed with a problem, you can sleep eight hours, and you'll get up with the problem, all right? I'm, I'm talking facts. I'm talking reality. What about the times that you face family problems with your children and, and uh, maybe your spouse and uh, maybe, you know, uh, Whoever, your uncles, your aunts, your friends, and, and uh, you, you just didn't, your in-laws, your outlaws, you just didn't know what to do or how to handle it. You see, actually, every one of us that's sitting here this morning, we go through that. We're human. You're, you're not some kind of super spiritual individual that never has a problem. And, and we don't have all the answers. Man, there's been some things in my life, in my family, in my church, in my ministry, and, and just in life in general, that things came up and, and, and I scratched my head saying, God, I don't know what to do. And so every one of us, I believe, can relate to this message because every one of us has been there. And some of you, are there at this point. You're going through something, whether it's in your business or your family or, or whatever. You're going through something right now, and you're saying, God, man, I, you know, I've done this. I, I just don't know what to do. So I want to speak on this story this morning out of Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. It's about a king called Jehoshaphat that admitted that he, when he faced a problem, I'm talking about a godly king, 
And when he faced the battle, he did not know what he was going to do. In the 12th verse of chapter 20, uh, and I'm going to read a few verses before that, but in this uh, 12th verse, it says that there was a vast army coming against us, and here he is, he's admitting, we do not know what to do. Now, it would seem like if you're a king, you're the guy with all the answers. It's just like a pastor. Everybody thinks a pastor has all the answers. I'll never forget. I had a, a church member one time and, and uh, hadn't been coming to my church long, and, and I was at the back door, you know, telling everybody goodbye and shaking them and hugging them and all that stuff. And, and uh, she come out of the Bible in, I don't know, some chapter in Habakkuk somewheres, and, and uh, she, she read the Scripture. She said, could you explain this to me? And I looked at the scripture, said, no, ma'am. And she said, what? I said, I said, honestly, I said, I don't have the slightest idea what that means. I said, but I'll tell you what, I'll study about it and then tell you what it means. And I said, but right now, I said, I don't have the foggiest idea what that scripture means. And she said, you're a pastor. And I said, yeah, 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 I'm a, I'm a pastor, but, but I don't know what the scripture means. And so she thought, because of my job title, that I should know every scripture in the Bible. But the fact of the matter, uh, I know we've met people that knows everything. I understand that. The fact of the matter, we don't know everything. And so here's a man with a great title. He was close to God. He was a godly king. Here's a man that admits to the entire uh, people of Judah, hey, we're in a situation right now, and I do not know what to do. He was an upright king. I like his transparency. I like people that's just transparent. So we see the king, the number one man in Judah, that everybody thinks he has all the answers, facing the difficult situation of the army coming against him, and he's saying, hey, I don't know what to do. I want to give you a few things this morning that when you're confronted with a battle. And before I do, let's kind of read the story so we'll understand. In verse 1 and 2, it says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Menuhites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you. Jehoshaphat, three nations are coming to annihilate you. Three nations. The vast army, they're coming from Edom. Three armies coming, now think about it, three armies coming to defeat Jehoshaphat. They were coming to rid Judah of all of its people, every man. They had the power to do it, and they was concerned about nothing else but killing Jehoshaphat in his nation, Judah. Now, here's the king. He's got a great army, but not big enough for three nations that's coming against him. I want to I I uh, help you to understand. The three powerful nations, they just knew three against one that Judah didn't have a chance. I mean, there was no way. Jehoshaphat knew 
that Judah didn't have a chance. That's why he said, God, I don't know what to do. I've got three nations coming against Judah. I don't have the slightest idea what to do. So they knew, the three nations knew uh, that there'd be three against one, and Judah didn't have a chance. What the three nations did not know was the God of Judah. Makes a big difference when you put God in the equation. So Joshua may have had a weak army, but he had a strong faith in God. Verse 3 and 5, Jehoshaphat, I'll just paraphrase the scriptures. Jehoshaphat kneels before the Lord and he starts crying to God. And then he calls the whole church or the whole assembly into a time of prayer and fasting. And this, my dear friends, is always the first step when we don't know what to do. Talk to someone that knows how to win a battle. Did you hear me? Talk to someone that knows how to win a battle. So many times when we get in a situation, we have a problem, we have a battle, so many times we look horizontal. Instead of vertical, we look someone, a, a pastor, we look somebody that, that can counsel us, and, and there's nothing wrong with counseling, uh, but we look, instead of going to God, we try to go to somebody else. Hey, how do you do this? How can, how can, but, but the first thing and the main thing that we need to do is go straight to God. He's the one that knows how to win the battle. Sometimes people can give you some bad advice. Well, prayer works, whether you realize it or not. Prayer works. I'll never forget when I was pastoring uh, right out of New Orleans, a true story. Uh, I had this uh, little lady in the church, and, and she, she just wasn't, everything wasn't quite there. And, and uh, uh, she, I was, it was a Sunday morning, and I was behind the, uh, right before I got behind the pulpit, she came uh, kind of running to the front, and, and so I got down off the platform, and she was crying and sobbing, and, and, and I, I said, Beverly, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? And, and, and she finally got a hold of herself. She said, it's my, 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 my puppies. My dog had puppies last night. She said they had seven puppies, and, and every one of them was born blind. Well, Everybody knows when, when puppies are born, they're born blind. And, and uh, I didn't know what to do, so I was trying to be a good pastor. So I just grabbed her hand, and, and I started praying. I said, let's pray, Beverly. And, and so I just started praying. I said, Lord, uh, within, by next Sunday, God, I said, would you just heal every one of these puppies? And, and by next week, they'll be able to see. And, and, and she quit crying, and she was comforted that, that her pastor prayed the prayer of faith. And I didn't think nothing of it. And, and she quit crying, so that was fine with me. And she went and sat down, and I forgot all about it that week. Well, the next Sunday, I got behind the podium, and um, after we had the worship, I got up, and I, I said, let's turn to, and I told them what chapter, and all of a sudden, way back there in the church, here's Beverly. She says, Pastor, Pastor. And I thought, oh, God. I didn't even think of what was going to be said. And then I thought, you know, well, everybody knows Beverly. She can't hurt nothing. And she, she's hollering, Pastor, Pastor. And I said, yes, Beverly. She said, Pastor, can I say something? 
And I said, well, yeah, go, go ahead. She said, church, she said, I want to tell you one thing. She said, we've got a man of God behind that pulpit. She said, last week my puppies were born blind. She said, he prophesied that within seven days every one of them puppies would see. She said, we need to believe in that man of God. I never did tell her the difference. She still thinks I'm a man of God. <laughs> hey, prayer works. And the first thing that Jehoshaphat did was he prayed. Now, when we pray, we get answers a different way. Sometimes God speaks to us directly. Sometimes we hear it from the man of God that stands behind the pulpit. Sometimes we may hear it from somebody else. God, even though Jehoshaphat was a king, God did not answer him directly. But God went through a prophet named Jehaziel. And Jehaziel comes in verse 14, and he starts telling Jehoshaphat what God, the prayer that Jehoshaphat's been praying. And I, wanna, I want you to notice seven things in these scriptures that the prophet uh, tells Jehoshaphat while he was facing the battle. And here's the seven things I want to encourage you with. The seven things I want to talk to you about this morning. That when you leave here, you'll leave encouraged. Seven things the prophet says. When Jehoshaphat said, Lord, I don't know what to do. The prophet comes with seven things and tells him what to do. Number one, in verse 15, he says, do not fear. Whew. What do you do? What are you talking about, prophet? Do not fear. Uh, you do understand there's three big nations coming against the little nation of Judah. You, Jehaziel, you do understand that, right? And, and so you're, you're coming to me and telling me, doesn't that sound like us? You're coming to me and you're telling me, do not fear when there's three nations coming against us? Listen, don't be afraid. I know that's easy to say. I know it's easy to say, but it's true. Don't, 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 don't fear. God's got your back. You're his child, and he cares for you. Oh, I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but listen. Isaiah prophesied in verse 43, verse 2. In chapter 43, verse 2, he said, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You. That's a promise, sir, that we can stand on. He said, and when you pass through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The fear I'm talking about is the fear that God is not there to fight our battles. So therefore, we fear the very battle that we're facing. But I'm here to tell you, you do not have to fear the enemy. Did you hear me? You do not have to fear the enemy. God is bigger and more powerful, and he's on your side. Goliath looked bigger than David. The whale looked bigger than Jonah. Lion's den looked bigger than Daniel. The furnace looked bigger than the three Hebrew children. The ark 
looked bigger than Noah. The Red Sea looked bigger than Moses. But you see, the battles may look bigger. But when God is on your side, you do not have to fear the battles. The second thing, he said, do not be dismayed. Oh, isn't that something? I mean, people, you know, you're going through your toughest times and you're discouraged and everything else. And, and, and then some, some old saint comes to you and says, uh, cheer up, it could be worse. Boy, what encouragement. Cheer up, it could be worse. You know, your most devastating time in your life. And they just come to you, you know, and smile. Uh, cheer up, things could get worse. Somebody told me that one time. You know, I was going through some problems, and they just came to me. Cheer up. Things could get worse. And so I cheered up, and things did get worse. That's easy to say. When somebody's going through a trial, and, 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 and you know, nothing's working out for them, and everything's working out for you at that time, and that's, that's easy for us to say, to look at somebody and say, hey, don't be discouraged. I mean, well, I'm not discouraged. I guess you're not. You're getting your paycheck. Your, your wife still loves you, you know. Your children are still doing good. And, and, and yeah, everything we used going. But, but that poor individual that's so downhearted and disillusioned and discontented and, and discouraged. And, and, and that's, sometimes that's not easy words to look at somebody that's discouraged and say, oh, just cheer up, you know. Uh, everything's going to be okay. Because sometimes when we're discouraged, we just don't understand that language. And here the prophet is saying, hey, don't be dismayed. I could just see Joshua. What are you talking about? Well, you see, there's three big nations coming against you, and they want to annihilate you. They want to kill you. But Joshua, I'm just saying, be encouraged. Oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say, prophet, but I'm the king. Three nations are coming against me. But listen, when we get tired and grow weary, when depression is set in, God wants you to do what the psalmist David said. Scripture says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you get in front of a mirror, start talking to the mirror. Now, if you're anywhere's my age, that's no problem at all. You already talk to yourself. But, but for you youngers, uh, get in the mirror, mirror and talk to yourself. Look in the mirror and declare, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. No weapon formed against me, shepherd. Talk to yourself. I am a born-again child of a king. My daddy will never leave me nor forsake me. Tell yourself, my God is the God of miracles, and I'm a candidate for a miracle. And so here's the prophet saying, hey, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. The third thing he says, I like this, the battle is not yours, it's God's. Whew. You mean to tell me three big nations coming against me with one little bitty nation of Judah, and Judah wasn't that big? Are, are you trying to tell me that there's a battle coming, but it's not my battle. Do, do you see all them guys with the, with the chariots and the, and the spears and all that? The, and you're, you're telling me that it's not my battle, but it's God's battle? Yeah, sounds crazy, huh? I'm telling you this morning, it's not your battle. 
I don't know what you're going through this morning. But if you're a child of the king, it's not your battle. God's battle. And God knows how to fight for you. I want to encourage you this morning. I imagine Jehoshaphat was ready to have a Pentecostal hoedown when the prophet looked at him and said, Jehoshaphat, it's not your battle. It's God's battle, and God's got everything under control. I don't know about you, but when you know that 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 God is fighting for you, it sure makes it a lot easier. Could I encourage you today and say that this gigantic battle that you're going through, whoever you may be, could I just say, and it's not yours. We can just turn it over to God. The fourth thing he says, take your position. Well, wait a minute, prophet. Uh, are you contradicting yourself? You just got through telling me that the battle is not mine. It's God's. I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but, but it's a great story. Read chapter 20 when you get home. And so you're... you're, you're Wait, let me, let me get this right. You just said, I heard it from your mouth, that the battle is not mine, but it's God's. And then the very next word you tell me is to take your position. Now, why in the world do I have to take my position if the battle doesn't belong to me if it's God? Boy, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if we didn't have to do anything? I mean, you, you know, you just get a phone call from the sheriff's department. Your son just got picked up for, for drugs. And, and you say, okay, God, that's, that's fine. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be, boy, wouldn't that be an easy life? Just got laid off your job, just got fired and say, uh, no big deal, no problem. And think nothing of it and do nothing and, and uh, just sit down, don't even apply for a job anywhere and say, God, you know, it's your, your battle, not my battle. Wouldn't that just be absolutely fantastic? Wouldn't it be something, somebody trying to split your church and, and uh, you say, okay, God, it, it's in your hand. And, and uh, oh, God, I'm not going to confront them. I'm not, I don't have to do anything because it's your battle, not mine. It just doesn't work like that. Hello? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, um, belittle faith, but it just doesn't work like that. Hello? We, we live in a real world. We fight a real devil, and it just doesn't work like that. So here the prophet is, hey, the battle's not yours, it's God. Then he turns around and says, but take your position. What do you mean, take my position? You won't have to fight this battle, but I want you to take your position. When our soldiers get ready for battle, they just don't go to the battlefield any way they want to. They strategize. They take certain positions and they organize themselves. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, even though the battle belongs to him, he wants you to put on his armor, take your position of war. He wants us to do our part not just sit on our do-nothing. 
You see, God could have said, Jehoshaphat, don't worry. I mean, y'all just go about the city, do whatever you like to do, have fun, go ride your four-wheelers, go fishing, have a great time. I'm going to take care of everything. No, sir, God said, hey, you take your position. The battle's mine, but, but I expect you to take your position. I had a woman one time that, that was uh, supposed to get a big settlement, and, and uh, uh, you know, she came to me. She said, would you fast? And I, and I believe in fasting. Now she said, would you fast for this settlement? And I thought, she wasn't a tithe payer, so, I mean, we wasn't going to get a dime from her. The church wasn't. So, uh, and I thought, just thought for me. I said, uh, have you fasted? I said, I ain't fasting. I said, you won't even fast. I said, you expect me to miss a meal and go hungry? And then you just eat all the steaks you want and hamburgers and french fries and everything else for your settlement? Listen, God expects us to take our position. He's not saying forget about everything. Everything's just going to be just great. You don't have to do nothing. No, no. God still expects you to pray, and he still expects you to fast, and he still expects you uh, to encourage yourself. He still expects you to grab a hold of faith. The fourth thing he says, stand firm. Stand firm. Verse 17, don't give up. After he tells him, take your position, take your position, and stand firm. Why should we stand firm if, if you've got the battle taken care of? No, 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 no. Stand firm. Don't give up no matter what happens. Wait on God. He's got a game plan. Oh, the Holy Spirit wants somebody to hear that. Wait on God. He's got, do, do you hear what the Lord is speaking this morning? Wait on God. I got goosebumps saying that. Wait on God. He's got a plan for you. Don't you knock down the door that God shut. Thank you for that one. That's good. Paul said in Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, then do what? Stand. When you get knocked down, get back up and stand. And when you get knocked down again, get back up and stand. And when you get knocked down again, get back up and stand. We're facing a battle, and he's telling us how to do it. Could I say, you're on the brink of a miracle. Don't look at the enemy with your natural eyes. He wants you to stand firm. Just watch what faith can do. Number six, then God says, hey, face the enemy. Do what? These three big nations, and he's telling me to face the enemy? Doesn't the word said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? I mean, is the Bible true or not? Is it, is it true or not? Didn't he say, greater is he that is in you? Listen, your battle may look big, but actually, your battle's small. 
because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We've been enlisted. We are not wimps. We are soldiers. Did you hear me? We're not wimps. We're soldiers. The commander-in-chief knows when, where, and how to fight our battles. We don't have to retreat, surrender, run, hide, give up, or quit. If you get shot in the back on the battlefield, that tells me something. It's just a thought. God has not given us the spirit. I remember in high school, we used to have a, uh, uh, used to have a guy that, in the same class with us. His name was Rocky, and he was a rock. Rocky was one of these muscle guys and big guys. He was an old Texan, and, and uh, I used to have a lot of hair in school, and Boy, I was, I was proud of my hair. That's why the Lord took all of it away. I had, he's punishing me for my pride. But, uh, man, you know, if, if you're anywhere's my age, remember you used to flip it both ways and then have that duck tail in the back. And, and uh, boy, I was cool. I loved my hair. And Rocky, Rocky was the bully in school. Everybody was scared of Rocky. When Rocky would see me walk down that hallway, and I'd come near Rocky, Rocky would put his hands on my head and just mess up my beautiful every hair in place. Matter of fact, it wasn't even the same color. I don't know why, but it wasn't the same color. <laughs> every day, Rocky knew that I had pride in my hair. When I'd be walking down that hallway, here comes big old Rocky. He'd get near me and he'd just put his hands right on top of my head and mess up my hair. Well, he knew I wouldn't do nothing. One day I got up. Before I went to school, I said to myself, self, when Rocky messes up your hair today, you're going to punch him right in the mouth. I did not want to go to school that day. <laughs> when I went to school, one of the first things I saw was Rocky. Big old Rocky coming down that hallway. My knees started shaking. I said, boy, are you stupid or what? And Rocky got to me. He put that big old hand on my head. He messed up my hair. I took my fist, and I looked up to Rocky, and I put it right there in his mouth and split his lip. Blood came out, and I ran. <laughs> but I want to tell you. Rocky never messed with me again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Christians are like crawfish. 
Have you ever seen a crawfish attack you? Crawfish are not aggressive. They won't run up to you. When you confront a crawfish, they raise their claws and they start backing up. They're scared to face their enemy. And God is speaking to Jehoshaphat. I want you to face your enemy. Don't you be intimidated. Listen what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking this morning. Don't you be intimidated by how big that battle looks. You do not have to back up from your battle. You do not have to back up from the devil. When the Spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of us, we have the power. In closing, in closing, you know what they did? You know what the next thing happened? They worshiped him. Wait a minute. When you got three nations coming against you, it's time to run, hide, cry, have a pity party. But no, they did the exact opposite. They worshiped. You know what the amazing thing? Could I have a keyboard player, please, whoever played the keyboard? Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Preacher, are you telling me? I, I, I got to get this straight, preacher. Are you telling me? That when all hell comes against me, for me to worship. I want you to notice, when you read that this afternoon, I want you to notice when they worshiped God. We worship Him when we celebrate our victory. Thought provoking? Hallelujah. God just came through for me and I went through this battle and thank God He took care of everything. We praise and we worship after the battle. I was raised up in church and every, every service there would be testimony services and people would get up and testify about what God's done for them and, and, and all of that and, and we testify today about what God's done for me and, and you know I thank God I'm not going through that no more thank God for the miracle finances thank God you know my husband come back home thank God my, my child got off the drugs and, and it's always a praise after 
battle, but not for Joshua, not for the children of Judah, not for the men. Read the scriptures. The men led the choir into praises for God. Before the battle ever started. Oh God, I just worship you. God, I'm going through the hardest time I've ever been through with my business. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to, I'm just going to thank you, Father. I don't know which way it's going to go, God. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the doctor's going to tell me this afternoon, God. But, but before I ever go to the doctor's office, God, I just want to worship you. Isn't that amazing? So that's what Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah did. They worshiped God. Three big nations are ready to annihilate them. And here they are worshiping God. And when they got to the battlefront, God sent the angels from the portals of glory confused these three nations and they started killing each other. And when the choir men got to the place that the three nations were, that's all they found was dead bodies. They did not have to lift a spear. Tell me that God doesn't know what he's doing. Tell me that God doesn't know how to fight your battle that you're going through. Prove to me that God can't do it. Three nations killed each other without lifting a spear, without pulling a bow. All the enemies were dead. And here the men and the children of Judah walked over dead bodies. And for three days, it took them three days to get all of the enemy's wealth and bring it back to Judah. Now here's something to think about. He's the same yesterday. God didn't change since Jehoshaphat. Same God. Same God that put the moon in the the air. The the sun. The same God that departed the Red Sea. The same identical God. It's that Foundations Church today that wants to help you with your battle. He has never changed. And if he can work a miracle for Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah, sir, ma'am, he can work your miracle. Would you stand? Father, you sent the prophet to tell them not to fear, 
Don't be discouraged. Remember the battle is not ours, but it's yours, God, to take our position, to stand firm, to face the enemy, and then to worship you. Father, these are your children this morning. God, your word never returns void. God, it's, it's for a reason that you dealt with me about speaking this word. It's for a reason, God. Because somebody came this morning and they didn't even know that they would be touched or motivated or encouraged or provoked. God, somebody's going through some problems and you are the problem solver. So, Father, I'm asking you in the next couple of minutes, Holy Spirit, that you would deal. Help us, God, as we build up our faith this morning, knowing, God, that even though the battle is bigger than we are. Even though it looks like it's impossible. Help us, God, to understand that no matter what we see with our physical eyes or hear with our physical ears, that the spirit that lives on the inside of us is greater than that that is in this world. This morning, I know it's almost time to dismiss, but I just want to pray with you. Maybe you're going through that battle today. Maybe there's been some disheartened, some discouraging times. you're just scratching your head saying God I don't know what to do I've tried some stuff God but it it just didn't work now God I want to try you I don't know how to handle this God I've, I've got employees God that I've got to sit with I don't know how to handle this God My spouse is ready to leave me. God, I don't know how to handle this. My kids are on drugs. God, I don't know how to handle this that's come against me. I don't know what to do. But I know that you do. I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but if that's you, just lift your hands right up and put them right down as act of faith. God, help me with my battle. Yes. Is anybody else? Father, you've seen the hands that was raised and those that did not raise. Let this day be the starting point where we start worshiping you ahead of the battle. And when it's all over, God, we're going to walk out of this thing with more 
than we've had. In Jesus' name. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? turn the lights on. Thank you, Pastor Robert, for bringing the word this morning. Uh, we uh, just want to say thank you again for coming out today. We're glad that you're here. God has moved. God has done a, a, a mighty work in our lives today. We ask that you just talk to somebody about this this week, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday next week, okay? Have a great week.